Hello and welcome to the Top Story, a podcast with headlines of the day from our correspondents around the world. I'm Tian Yu. Coming up in this edition, Iranian President Ibrahim Raisi has warned that those behind the deadly twin blasts in Kerman on Wednesday will be identified and punished. Both Hezbollah in Lebanon and Israel have indicated that they want to avoid the further spread of war beyond the Gaza Strip after the killing of a top Hamas commander in Beirut. And former U.S. President Donald Trump has asked the Supreme Court to intervene after Colorado's top court disqualified him from the state's Republican primary ballot. Starting in the Middle East, Iranian President Ibrahim Raisi has warned that those behind the deadly twin blasts in Kerman on Wednesday will be identified and punished. The explosions near the burial site of General Qasem Soleimani killed more than 80 people. The blasts occurred as people gathered to mark the fourth anniversary of Soleimani's death in a U.S. drone strike. Iranian Supreme Leader Ali Khamenei says those behind the blasts will face a harsh response and become the target of just punishment. Raisi has also called on local officials in Kerman to treat the injured and restore order and calm to the city. Esan Kavani has more. The Tasnim news agency reported the first explosion went off 700 meters away from uh, Soleimani's tomb. Uh, shortly after, there was a second blast about one kilometer away from uh, the tomb. According to state-run Isna news agency, Kerman's mayor said the explosions took place uh, about 10 minutes apart. Kerman's deputy governor described the blasts as terror attacks but offered no evidence to uh, support the claim. Um, officials say a military airplane has been dispatched to Kerman to transport the injured to Tehran and uh, other cities to receive uh, medical treatment. The country's prosecutor general and the judiciary head have urged the security forces to start their investigations and find those behind the explosions. The government issued a statement and declared Thursday a public day of mourning for those killed uh, in the explosion. That was Esan Kavani on the blasts in Iran. Both Hezbollah in Lebanon and Israel have indicated that they want to avoid the further spread of war beyond the Gaza Strip after the killing of a top Hamas commander in Beirut. But Hezbollah leader Hassan Nasrallah has warned that a war will be costly if Israel launches one in Lebanon. Isabel Debris with the Associated Press has more. Hezbollah has previously threatened to respond if such a killing of a Palestinian, Iranian, Lebanese person happens in its own soil and has threatened to have a harsh response against Israel. Hassan Nasrallah, the leader, did not give specific details in his speech, but he did promise revenge. He said that al-Awuri's killing was a dangerous crime that will not go without response and without punishment. But he also made an important point, which is to say that Hezbollah so far has been strategic in its calculus, balancing both support for Gaza, for the Palestinian people, as well as taking into account Lebanese national interests. And, of course, this is to signal that Hezbollah is not only a militant group, it's also an important political power broker in Lebanon, and it is aware that the country itself has little appetite for a devastating war with Israel as it suffers an incredibly deep economic crisis. And Hezbollah, of course, is becoming increasingly unpopular outside of its base of Shiite religious voters as Lebanese increasingly blame Hezbollah or see it as part of the corrupt political class that has led to the country's financial ruin. And so all of these factors, as well as the regional implications of what would a massive war with Israel look like, 
does play into Hezbollah's calculations in that response. But it was important that Nasrallah also mentioned in his speech that if Israel were to attack Lebanon, if Israel were to make that first move to start a war against Lebanon, he said it will be very, very, very costly. The fighting will have no rules and no ceilings. That was Associated Press correspondent Isabel Debris. In North America, Donald Trump has asked the U.S. Supreme Court to intervene after Colorado's top court disqualified him from the state's Republican primary ballot. Colorado deemed the former president ineligible for the White House over his role in the attack on the U.S. Capitol three years ago. Maine has followed and barred Trump for the same reason. The Republican frontrunner has appealed Maine's decision as well. Iris Spitzer has more. This uh, would not only have implications in Colorado, but uh, we've seen a similar decision taken in the state of Maine. There are numerous uh, legal challenges to uh, Trump being on the ballot, uh, being perpetrated around the country. So uh, what the Supreme Court ruling uh, would potentially do is is establish the precedent for uh, whether there is any uh, validity to this constitutional argument that uh, Trump's role in the January 6th insurrection, uh, whether that would uh, disqualify uh, him from holding office. Republicans in Colorado have asked that court to expedite the decision, uh, given the stakes here and uh, just how important it is to the electoral process. Uh, there are many, of course, that would like to see a, a decision come sooner rather than later. Uh, it should be noted also that uh, of these Supreme Court justices, uh, three of those nine justices were appointed by Donald Trump during his presidency. So uh, a very consequential a decision likely to happen in in the coming uh, months, potentially, from uh, the U.S. Supreme Court. Uh, again, something that has never uh, been tested before, this legal precedent. That was Ira Spitzer on the legal challenges facing Donald Trump ahead of the U.S. presidential election. Mexico has welcomed a U.S. decision to reopen four commercial border crossings between the two countries on Thursday. They were previously partially or fully closed because of the record number of migrants. Frank Contreras explains how the reopening will benefit both countries. Mexican government officials and business leaders across this country are praising the decision by the Biden administration to reopen commercial crossings along the U.S.-Mexico border. One in Texas, two in Arizona, and one near San Diego, California. Mexican President Andres Manuel López Obrador says the reopenings will benefit the U.S. and Mexican economies and millions of workers. Now more than ever before, a policy of good neighbors is indispensable with the United States because many Mexicans work there. They number around 40 million, and our common border is very large. We share more than 3,000 kilometers of border. In 2023, Mexico eclipsed China to become the largest U.S. trading partner. Business interests in Mexico and the United States want to make certain that commercial goods continue to flow. In December, migrant border crossings surpassed an average of 10,000 per day. U.S. politicians said it was a record high number of attempts by undocumented immigrants. U.S. border officials say they arrested a daily average of 6,400 undocumented migrants during the week after Christmas, a typically slower time. U.S. lawmakers are debating how to best handle the large numbers. They are seeking a possible deal that would exchange increased border security 
for U.S. military aid to Israel and Ukraine. Mexican government officials are keenly aware that immigration is a highly politicized issue in the months leading up to a presidential election in the United States. That was Frank Contreras reporting. Criminals in the United States have started using artificial intelligence in their operations. A Chinese student has become their latest target. Kidnappers recently tried to manipulate his parents into paying a hefty ransom in what is being called a fake kidnapping. Authorities are warning parents and children about the kind of information they put online. Owen Faircloth has the story. Cold and frightened, but alive and hungry for a cheeseburger. Chinese student Kai Zhuang found in the Utah wilderness after he was ensnared in an online scam. Police say criminals extorted the 17-year-old's family for $80,000 with a kidnapping hoax. They forced him to claim he had been kidnapped by ordering him to move to an isolated area and send photos to his family back in China, threatening to harm them if he didn't comply. The reason why they have him seclude himself in the woods or away from somebody, everybody in society, is so they can continue to extort as much money as possible. They then coerced his parents to deposit the ransom in a bank account. The teenager was being hosted by a family in Riverdale City as part of an exchange, but was reported missing last Thursday after his parents raised the alarm. Officers narrowed down his whereabouts around 25 miles north after analyzing his online activity and phone location. He was found on Sunday sheltering in a tent with a heat blanket, sleeping bag and limited food and water. The FBI say Kai's case is the latest in a growing trend, with criminals now using artificial intelligence to mimic their victims' voices and images. That was Owen Faircloth on a fake kidnapping case in the U.S. involving a Chinese student. Finally, in Europe... Junior doctors in England have begun a six-day strike, the longest in the history of the National Health Service. Doctors are demanding a 35% pay rise after what they claim is more than a decade of real-term pay cuts. Paul Hawkins has more. 60,000 junior doctors in England only are on strike. Uh, This is the biggest strike in the NHS's 75-year history, and they are striking fundamentally about pay they say that since 2008 they've had a 26% real terms pay cut they want the government to restore that and then they want mechanisms put in place so that in future they get above inflation pay increases now the government has already offered them uh, an 8 point or given them an 8.8% pay increase last summer it's offered them towards the end of last year it offered them a 3% extra pay increase The BMA, the British Medical Association, that represents these 60,000 junior doctors, which is about half the doctor workforce in England, said no to that. They've now instigated this six days of industrial action, uh, and they are not happy with what the government has put on the table. After the first pay offer was imposed upon us, the doctor went from £14 an hour to £15 an hour. And again, we're just asking for £21 an hour. And that's what we call pay restoration. So we're not even asking for a pay rise. We're just asking for our pay to go back to what it was worth in 2008. Another problem that the British Medical Association, the union that represents these junior doctors, says is retention and recruitment. It says that a lot of junior doctors have either gone to or are thinking about going abroad where there is not a labour workforce shortage, there are enough doctors, the systems aren't struggling to cope with demand as they are in uh, the UK and fundamentally 
they've got a, a, a better paid job uh, and it's properly resourced. And that's something that's been echoed by some of the junior doctors that we've been talking to. Sometimes I think like why we have put in all of those years and but we have given our youth to this this medicine and we are getting nothing for this. At least I've been in a number of discussions where people have talked about moving to other countries like Australia, Canada. So it's a real discussion ongoing uh, among staff in the NHS. Millions of people in England are waiting for operations already. This industrial action isn't going to help, but the doctors say they are going to continue until they get what they want. The government is sticking to their position. The two sides are as far apart as they've ever been. That was Paul Hawkins on the strike by junior doctors in England. Recapping today's headlines. Iranian President Ibrahim Raisi has warned that those behind the deadly twin blasts in Kerman on Wednesday will be identified and punished. Both Hezbollah in Lebanon and Israel have indicated that they want to avoid the further spread of war beyond the Gaza Strip after the killing of a top Hamas commander in Beirut. And former U.S. President Donald Trump has asked the Supreme Court to intervene after Colorado's top court disqualified him from the state's Republican primary ballot. And that's it for this edition of The Top Story, a podcast that brings you world headlines every weekday. For more news in politics, business, sports and culture, you can subscribe to The Beijing Hour, a one-hour podcast news magazine program. We welcome and appreciate all ratings and reviews. I'm Tian Yu. Thank you for listening.